Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our scripture is taken from a very popular verse, one that's very meaningful to me in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Isn't it wonderful to know that God knows all our needs? And he knows even before we pray for things or even before we walk into a situation, he knows what our needs are. And what he asks us to do is to seek him, to seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. And I pray that as we live our Christian lives, that we'll have our eyes focused upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and he will continue to bless us, watch over us, protect us, and help us in a mighty way. It's a radio edition of Global Times. Today I'd like to make a report on Sarah Spear and her ministry in the Republic of Congo. Sarah, as you know, is a missionary from Canada. Her home is in Oak Bank, which is a town south of Winnipeg. She's been on the mission field for probably 30 years now and has done a terrific job working at the Pioneer Christian Hospital. She also has so many other ministries. She actually goes into the villages and treats wounds and helps so many people with leprosy. She has a real burden for lepers. In fact, she's been able to raise the money to uh, put up a leper clinic in Infondo 
the Republic of Congo. And my wife and I were just there probably about six months ago, and we saw this clinic and the building's up, and it's pretty much completed. They've just been able to, to put in bath facilities to help the lepers. And so the, the idea is that we can bring lepers who are infected with a disease to this center. We can house up to 20 lepers at a time. We can keep them there for an entire year, and the government provides the medicines to treat the leprosy. And so we're able to get the leprosy in remission, and then we're able to send these folks back home. They can live in their own communities. And as you know, leprosy is a, is a terrible disease for a person to get, particularly in that culture, because you're ostracized and your own family will be estranged from you and you won't be able to work. And it's just a very difficult situation to be in. One of the things that we noticed is that the pygmies are the ones that, that get leprosy at a much higher rate than anyone else over there. And I had a chance to meet three or four pygmy uh, men and women who are affected with this, this disease. And we had a good time of a fellowship. They hear the gospel and they've come to Christ. They're so thankful that someone actually cares for them and loves them. And they're so thankful that someone would actually touch them and uh, not be afraid of them. You can have just, just a wonderful, good time with these poor lepers. The big need, though, at the leprosy clinic is, is a pump uh, for the well. We have a hand-dug well there that provides minimally clean water, and we need to, uh, to dig deeper. But to do that, then we'll need a, a pump to be able to get the water to the surface so that uh, it'll be clean, it'll be fresh but it'll be uh, accessible then so that it can be usable by the, by the people there in the leprosy clinic. And so that's just a, a great opportunity to help people out and to make their life a little easier. I saw one leper man who had a, uh, a special cart that he, he sort of sat in and got around on and had wheels, and he was wheeling all over the, uh, the compound there that we have. He had the, the joy of the Lord even in his very difficult place. I also had the opportunity to go into town of Fondo, and the government has a facility there for lepers. And my goodness, it's just a terrible place. It's a place that's run down. It's a place that no one else wanted. And so the, the, the lepers in town are, are housed there. And boy, is that a terrible, filthy place that just stinks. And uh, it's just a, a very, very bad situation. And I was able to go in there and preach the gospel and be able to share that Christ is the great healer, talking about spiritual healing, that Christ could save their souls and, and help them, that the leprosy clinic we had could, could minister to their physical needs and could help them put their, their disease in remission. I prayed for their good health and for their strength. But most of all, we, we prayed that they would come to know Jesus Christ personally. So I had a real burden for these poor lepers, and it's just a real desperate situation to have people in this. It's a very difficult place in the Congo anyway, where the, the standard of living is so low, and uh, there are so many needs there. And then you have a person with leprosy, and it just makes the, uh, the whole situation worse. So would you please pray for Sarah Spear, who's just doing a loving wonderful job with these people. She cares for them. She binds their wounds. She gives them medicine. She watches over them. She makes sure that they get good nutrition. She's just a wonderful missionary who just loves the Lord and has just given her life for these people. And I'm just so thankful for the privilege to have her as one of our missionaries. And it's a real privilege for me just to know her 
And I'm just so thankful to the Lord for her commitment to Jesus Christ and the way that she has served over the years. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate all those who listen and pray and write in and tell us about their experience and tell us about how our broadcast is meeting needs in their lives. It's always a wonderful blessing to receive letters from those who hear our broadcast. And we trust that God will continue to bless you and pray for us and continue to support our ministries because as you're aware, this is a listener-supported ministry. This month, we're actually offering a wonderful, wonderful book that probably all of us need. It's entitled Trials, God's Refining Fire. And of course, all of us have trials and tribulations and difficult things to face each day. And one of the questions that they ask is, do you ever feel like you're being tested? Have you ever wondered how much more you can take? When the heat of the trial has been turned up yet another notch, how can you hang on to hope? These are wonderful questions to ask. And in this booklet, you can discover how to face your trial positively. You can persevere through your trial patiently. You can finish your trial maturely. You can pray for wisdom consistently. And you can believe in God's answer confidently. Oftentimes, in ways we don't understand, God uses trials in our lives to cleanse us, purify our hearts. Trust Him to use each turbulent trial. He will showcase His faithfulness through your life and will give you peace throughout the process. I highly recommend this booklet. I think it will be a great blessing to your spiritual life. It will encourage you and it will help you in a mighty way and maybe in ways that you didn't realize. So please write in and get your copy of Trials, God's Refining Fire. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231.
Today's sermon is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning and is entitled, Crisis or Learning to Read, The Writing on the Wall. I'm sure that you will enjoy this sermon. Printed copies are available upon request. Many years ago, the Apostle Paul, writing on an inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, penned these words in a letter to his young companion, Timothy. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. We today probably have a better understanding of that prediction than Timothy had in his day. We are witnessing in our generation so many perilous situations that we cannot be faulted for believing that we may well be entering what Paul referred to as the last days. That term is used in the prophetic scriptures to designate the period of time immediately prior to Christ's personal return to this earth. We've entitled this series of talks, Crises, or Learning to Read the Handwriting on the Wall. We know from the scriptures and from our own experience that there are usually prior indications that a crisis is approaching. Unfortunately, we are prone to ignore the handwriting that appears on the wall. Sometimes we can know the significance of the advance warnings only by the interpretations revealed in the prophetic scriptures. In other situations, the nature of the handwriting is such that even those who reject God's prophetic revelations cannot escape the conclusion that a crisis is indeed approaching. This is the conclusion of an increasing number of people today, and it's not hard to understand why. Last week, we started to examine four spheres in which there are clear indications that a series of major crises is developing. I ask you to imagine that you are in a room representing the place in time we presently occupy. The room has four walls. The handwriting already appearing on each of those walls clearly indicates the development of a crisis situation. We looked at two of those walls last week. Recall the first, the financial wall. There we saw endless columns of figures portraying the astronomical load of pyramiding personal and corporate and public debt under which individuals and businesses and governments are staggering. We noted the interest factor in our national and international financial systems creates a self-perpetuating debt escalation, the cumulative consequences of which are rapidly reaching crisis dimensions. Not only individuals and companies and governments, but whole nations are tottering on the brink of financial bankruptcy with no indication that the trend is or even can be reversed. Take another hard look at the handwriting on the financial wall and ask yourself, how much longer can the present debt-accumulating trend continue without precipitating a major international financial and economic crisis with all the political and social consequences which would ensue? We call the second wall we looked at the military wall. We found their handwriting that is disturbing and even frightening. It warns that the superpowers already possess stockpiles of nuclear bombs and warheads sufficient to destroy all major population centers of this earth 20 times over. And they're spending over $600 billion a year to build and improve more instruments of death. In 32 nations, military spending is more than the amount spent on education and health care combined. We're told that we're just now moving into the next generation of high-tech weaponry. 
that will be far superior in sophisticated power to destroy than anything we've seen in the past. How much longer can we pursue this course of suicidal madness without precipitating a world crisis of unprecedented magnitude? We now turn our attention to the handwriting on the other two walls of our room. Let us look first at the environmental wall. It is increasingly clear that man has not been a good custodian of the physical resources of this earth which God in his providence provided for our use. We have wantonly polluted the air from which with each breath we draw the oxygen necessary to sustain physical life. Carbon monoxide from our automobile exhausts and industrial pollutants discharged into the air daily are now measured in millions of tons. They form clouds of industrial smog over our manufacturing centers, and their poisonous particles return to earth as acid rain to pollute and sterilize our lakes and streams and vegetation. Astronauts manning the space shuttle reported from outer space that our earth is enveloped in a thick yellow cloud of industrial pollution. We've done the same thing with much of our soil and our rivers and lakes and streams. And even the vast oceans now reveal steadily increasing levels of contamination. How long do you think this trend can continue without imperiling the capacity of the earth to sustain the teeming billions of people now inhabiting this globe, to say nothing of the millions more being born each year? Is not the handwriting on the environmental wall already telling us plainly that if we continue as we are, the people on this once great planet Earth will face a major crisis of survival in the not far distant future. While there is widespread public and governmental concern, the practical difficulties hindering the elimination of the numerous forms of environmental pollution are at this point in time almost insurmountable. On the one hand is the ever-present need for more industrialization to provide the goods required to feed increasing millions of people and afford underdeveloped nations at least some opportunity to improve their meager standards of living. But industrial growth goes hand in hand with environmental pollution and the depletion of our irreplaceable resources. Unless new scientific breakthroughs enable us to resolve this problem, an ultimate environmental and resource depletion crisis is inevitable. This brings us to the last of the four walls which we may properly refer to as the wall that reflects human behavior. Here, too, the handwriting is plain for all to read. Think again of the Apostle Paul's statement in his letter to Timothy. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. He then records what we may expect to see develop in the sphere of human behavior as that age of perilous times draws near. Where the prophetic foresight God gave him, Paul was able to see and read in advance the handwriting now appearing on the human behavior wall in this twentieth century. He wrote, Men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's an apt description of the me-first attitude so evident today. He went on, Men shall be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. All of these characteristics are evident in human nature today. 
They manifest themselves in the selfishness and violence and immorality and crime and godlessness that have become the hallmarks of our times. I need not labor this point. It's brought home to you every time you read a newspaper or listen to a newscast on radio or TV. We are constantly appalled by brutal and senseless murders and rapes and assaults on even innocent children and the aged and the helpless. There has developed a callous disregard for the value and sanctity of human life that is beyond comprehension. A few years ago it would have been inconceivable that any military commander would order the destruction of an unarmed civilian passenger aircraft with 269 innocent people on board. But today it happens, and the guilty party shows not the slightest trace of regret or remorse. The steady decline in sensitivity to what is right and what is wrong is evident by the appalling increase in crime and violence and immorality of every kind. In short, the handwriting on the human behavior wall certainly is warning us that the perilous times of the last days of which Paul spoke are looming very near. This is the unmistakable message of the handwriting now clearly evident on each of the four walls we have examined. I hope we've grasped the significance of the developments we've considered. None of those developments is static. In all four areas there are clearly established trends. In each case, if those trends continue, Ultimately, they will precipitate a major crisis, unless some way is found to halt the self-perpetuating debt-escalating factor embodied in our present financial systems, they will lead to a major financial and economic collapse. If the present mad international arms race continues, it ultimately will lead to a nuclear confrontation. If we continue to pollute and destroy our physical environment, we ultimately will render our planet incapable of sustaining the increasing millions of people dependent on the Earth's limited resources for physical survival. If the evil in human nature as a result of man's alienation from God by sin continues unchecked, accumulative consequences will lead to one crisis after another, an ever-increasing self-destruction. Now, all we said in this talk, all we've learned from the handwriting on the walls we have examined warns of a series of major world crises in the days ahead. Next week, God willing, we'll discuss what we should do under such circumstances and what hope there is of those circumstances being changed. As we close today, I want to emphasize two important facts. One, God is absolutely supreme and he is in complete and sovereign control of his universe. Nothing can happen without his divine permission, and everything he determines will happen precisely as he ordains. Two, God loves you. Your good and welfare and the good and welfare of all mankind is his supreme concern. He proved that by providing at a fearful cost to himself a way of deliverance from all the evil consequences of our human folly in alienating ourselves from him by doing that which was contrary to his holy and altogether righteous will. The price he paid to make possible our deliverance from the present and future consequences of sin and evil was the life of his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, 
that have everlasting life. Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures. Three days later, after he had paid in full the penalty which otherwise you would have had to pay throughout eternity, God raised him from the dead. He is alive today at God's right hand, from whence he offers you full and free forgiveness of all your sins and the priceless gift of eternal life and the assurance that he will keep you forever safe and secure in the hollow of his hand. If only you will believe what he tells you and acknowledge your need of his salvation and receive him into your life as your personal Savior. Once you open your life to him and receive him as your Savior and Sovereign Lord, you are safe and secure for time and eternity. Before the approaching world crises of the last days of which Paul speaks break on this troubled world, Christ has promised to remove his true church comprised of all those who have accepted him as their Savior. In the words of Scripture, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That will happen before any major crisis breaks on this old earth. That is why when you see the handwriting on the wall warning that a crisis is near at hand, you should not fear or be disturbed, but rather rejoice, recognizing that such developments mean that the prior return of your Lord for you is even nearer at hand. That is why Christ said, When these things begin to come to pass, rejoice, and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. The all-important thing is to be absolutely sure that you have genuinely received Jesus Christ into your heart and life as your personal Savior and Sovereign Lord. I trust the message you just heard will be a great encouragement and blessing to you, and maybe some of the truths taught there will even help you throughout this next week. Here at Kansas National Bible Hour, we're so concerned about our listeners. But one of the things that you also are concerned about is not only the growth of believers, but also those who maybe listen to this broadcast and don't know Jesus Christ personally. You need to have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. It's the only way to get into his presence. Jesus, when he was on earth, said, I'm the way. He's the only way. I'm the truth. He's the only truth. He's the only way. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through, through the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us need a Savior because of that sin. God is a holy God, and he won't be in the presence of sin. And uh, that's why the Old Testament was really written, to show the children of Israel uh, what things uh, would cause sin in your life. And then you'd have to make a sacrifice to uh, appease that sin to get yourself right with God. And it, it required the shedding of blood. Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. He was a perfect sacrifice. Because he shed his own blood, we have the privilege of asking him to become part of our life. We acknowledge that we need a Savior because we're sinners. And we need him in our life so that we can have connection with the Most High God. The verse that I came to faith in is, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And I 
claimed that verse as a 12-year-old, and that verse changed my whole life. I've served the Lord for over 50 years now, and God has blessed me and my family and our ministry to a great extent. Please write in and get your copy of Trials, God's Refining Fire. It will be such a blessing to your life, to your spiritual life. It'll help you grow. It'll help you have a new perspective. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also hear past messages on Canada's National Bible Hour by visiting our website.org. That was www.missiongo-radio.org. Mission Go is spelled M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O-Radio.org. You can also find us on your smartphone app. Uh, we are called MGO Radio. It's a Christian online radio station. Speakers you hear on Canada's National Bible Hour as well as others. And also have really good Christian music. And you can actually tune in all day and it will be a real blessing to you.